Welcome to Lift History. I'm not in my basement gym today. I'm here with Chris from Mutant Metals and I'm sitting in Mutant Metals shop. So welcome, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming down. Listeners, viewers, if you haven't seen the tour video, please hop on my YouTube channel, Vintage Weights PGH, and check out the tour where Chris walks me around this shop to take a look at some of the different machines and some of the different things that he uses to make his products. But on this episode of Lift History, I want to just get a little deeper into the history of Mutant Metals, how it came to be. So Chris, in the tour video, you showed me the first machine you got, and that came from your great uncle. Yeah. And then things branched out from there. Mm -hmm. But let's push back a little, you know, before that. So you're a home gym owner. I walked through your garage gym that's storing a lot of stuff for the shop now. Yep. <laughs> so were you always making things, though? Were you you know, doing stuff with your hands throughout your life? Um, before I start, started this, I was uh, working in a foundry. So we did a lot, we melted metal. We, we did, I did, um, I ran induction furnaces, um, did metallurgical analysis, um, you know, fork trucks. That's where I learned the weld. That's um, where I picked up a lot of the stuff that I know minus the machining portion. Gotcha. Um, and it just kind of started into making stuff for myself you know really couldn't afford to buy brand new dumbbell handles or tempering yeah. devices and uh, it worked out because i was at a you know i was at a foundry so we had scrap sometimes that i could practice with and um, went to youtube university to <laughs> learn machining and yeah yeah uh, the knurling took a long time to get right but um yeah, I mean, it just just started for our own purposes of making what we needed to lift, and because uh, me and my buddy, you know, we lifted in the gym there, and mm -hmm. we were competitive power lifters for a little while. Very cool. And yeah. you know, needed a squat rack, and we spent our, we spent all our money on bars and plates. So yeah, so you needed to fabricate needed what you could. Else, right. Nice. So then, you know that that need for some of the equipment, the power rack, uh, reverse hyper that you mentioned mm. in the tour, that drove some of it at first. So then where do you cross over from making some things for yourself, for you and your buddy who are power lifters to, hey, maybe I could sell a couple of these. Yeah, so I, I told this story before, but I ran into a guy, uh, my buddy Hubble, which you actually know too. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was, uh, he was selling a piece of equipment. I wanted to buy something that I seen in the background that he wasn't really selling. So we got, ta got to talking and, um, you know, I told him that I'd been making some of my own stuff and he asked me, you know, well, can you make me something? And I'm like, you know, I, I guess I could. <laughs> yeah. So he wanted a reverse hyper, a rack mounted reverse hyper, um, which I could send you a picture of, um, and a dip attachment. But the thing with the dip attachment was that he had two younger kids that played baseball. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted them to be able to use it. Gotcha. He needed to be able to use it. So, like, you know, what can I do? Originally, I was going to try to attach two separate sets of handles to it somehow and have yeah. a close one and a wide one. And I finally just figured out, you know, we'll just make the handles removable so we could move them, you know, to different settings. And the original one had two settings on it. Okay. Um, the mount wasn't very good at all. <laughs> um, the reverse hyper was actually pretty nice. Um, 
I was more proud of that than the dip attachment. But um, it got picked up. I posted it on my personal page. Mm -hmm. A couple guys were talking about it. Um, and then I got picked up by Garage Gym Experiment, Jake. Yeah. Um, and the next day I had maybe 40 people in my inbox saying, hey, you nice. know, <laughs> can you make me one of these? And So you for, saw the demand. Right. Like, for a little bit there, I, I was like, I, I can't make these. I can't sell these. Like, I don't like the mount. I don't like the way, mm -hmm. you know, how it is. And um, so I was like, but give me, you know, give me a couple weeks or so and let me try to make something that that I maybe could sell. Yeah. So that's where the first dip attachments started coming out. Um, and I was at work one day, people were messaging me on Instagram asking, you know, want to buy a dip attachment. And it was a particularly shitty day at work. Um, <laughs> that probably helped and uh, in the long run. Walked in the office and told them that I had quit. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that was it. I wonder how many viewers that's like their dream. <laughs> Being able to, oh, on man. a bad day to be like, you know what? I'm out. It, <laughs> it, it feels good for a little bit until yeah. you realize what you did. Until and, the anxiety. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, sets in. You're like, oh, geez, bills are coming due. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that was the biggest thing in the beginning was it was, I knew I couldn't make things very fast. So I tried to just sell as much as I could make and, but we ran in, if you scroll back through my Instagram, you'll see all kinds of posts about, you know, that, that thing breaking down and yeah, yeah. machines breaking down and, you know, there's no parts exist for those machines anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we need a part, we got to make the part. Um, and I work with a machine shop in Ohio that helps me do stuff like that. Well, Mike from Microgains, when he was on Lift History and I was interviewing him about you know, the growth of his business. Something he mentioned was that uh, sometimes he felt like uh, customers didn't quite recognize that it was like himself mm -hmm. and two other people. Yeah. And that was down the road. Early on, it was just him, like in his shed, spray painting mm -hmm. fractional weight plates. So when it comes to lead times and order fulfillment and all these things, um, do you sometimes uh, get the impression that a customer um, doesn't realize that it's mutant metals is you I, and your wife down here in the basement that they expect like a Amazon one day shipping, you know, overnight shipping. Actually, or something. My wife is upstairs. She can't work with me cause she has okay. some health issues, but, um, I have, uh, my cousin's fiance oh, okay. come in, comes gotcha. in here and she, you know, pretty much does all every part of the process, just like I do minus the yeah. machining and welding. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I get emails all the time that are Dear Mutant Metals team. You know, I, <laughs> you know, they, I understand it. Like it, if you're not watching the videos online yeah. or you're not following the pages, you know, it, we only have, you know, under 7,000 Instagram followers. Not like everybody that comes across our page, you know, I think we got a hundred thousand page views on our website last year. So, not that many people are going to know, you know, a lot of them do. We get a lot of good emails about, yeah. you know, we know what you guys are doing and, you know, those, those are nice, but there's definitely been some nasty emails where, and, you know, I understand that something yeah. that's supposed to take 10 weeks takes 
18 or 20 weeks, then yeah, it's you get angry. It, it, it's a problem, but well, um, a lot of um, I mean, I'm just speaking from my financial background and my means and what I can put into my gym. Um, purchasing the UDA from you, that was a big purchase for me. That mm -hmm. was like, whew, I'm gonna put together these dollars and I hope it works yeah, out. It doesn't help that it's expensive. Too. Well, what I was gonna say was. I completely knew who you were, and I didn't know you personally or anything, but I knew your company. I knew who Mutant Models was, did not care how long it took for it to get finished. The entire time I was saving money to buy it, I knew that and was like, whatever. I don't care how long it takes this man to make this thing. I want it. This is what I'm buying. But if I put myself in the position that I didn't know any of that background, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to click the button and buy this. Right. And then it takes, you know, months and months. Then, yeah, I guess I could see where they're coming from. They're like, what the heck? But on the other hand, you know, I, I think in general in life, even outside of the home gym and fitness industry, a little politeness goes a long way. You can still oh, go yeah. about it in a polite way that, hey, you know, I, I placed this order. Right. Just want to check in, see how it's going. Five percent of people are, yeah. are pretty good, you know. You get a, a couple people that are particularly nasty, but yeah, that just kind of comes with and the territory. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that comes with it. I even have my trolls on uh, weight restoration videos, which I'm like, really? This is the mm -hmm. place you want to come bring your right. hate? <laughs> weight restoration videos. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but when it comes to you know scaling your company and and keeping up with demand, you know, supply versus demand of what you're doing. On Garage Gym Experiment podcast with Jake, you had mentioned the challenges of that, that like stuff took off at a rate that like mm -hmm. not just your machines couldn't keep up, you couldn't keep up. It was just, you know, getting pretty bonkers. So then uh, whenever the Rogue situation happened and then Rogue started making the UDA, uh, I remember your post about it mentioning that like, you know, this may be kind of a blessing in disguise. This may be mm -hmm. something... Uh, that sort of helps that. It's been some time since then, I don't know how many months now, but uh, with a little time since that point, has that sort of helped uh, how the business runs? Has that helped in a way to uh, fulfillment and things like that and scaling helped, your business? Um, not a lot has gone into actually increasing the scalability of the business because I, what I mentioned was we kind of want to you know, I want to step away from a lot of manufacturing. I just, I mean, we're, we're working a lot of hours a week. Um, you know, my wife has trouble doing some stuff. You know, I'd like to be able to give her a hand more. Um, you know, we have our kids and you know, I, we just can't be working as much as we are and, you know, do normal things. Yeah. So, and a lot of it is getting her in better in a better spot with her health and um so the idea is to and we're slowly transitioning that as we whittle down orders um is to uh, kind of get away from being a, a manufacturer as much as a developer okay. um you know the rogue stuff helped a lot as far as we're not worrying so much every month about you know oh, we got a car payment coming up we yeah. got this you know whatever so that's that's helped a lot with that. Um, it's not so much that you know we could just go out and now we could buy CNC machines and do <laughs> yeah. all all this crazy stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. Life I'm, hasn't changed right, overnight. Yeah, yeah. I'm still down here. I still have to you know 
get the orders out. Um, we're yeah. still making everything the same way for the most part. Um, you know, we are talking to other people that can help us out with stuff like that. But uh, the transition to not doing that is going to take a while. You know, we're still having to take in orders. We can't just, you know, if it was so much that we could just shut everything down, I would love to take, you know, four months, clear all the orders out, and then just completely transition it over to where I see it going. Yeah. Um, but it's not quite there yet, you know. Hopefully, you know, Rogue did mention that they're going to come out with colors on the UDA, so I'm helping. I'm hoping that helps with uh, sales quite sure. a bit, because um, you know a lot of my market are people that want to customize their yeah. stuff. So, yeah. you know, that was me. <laughs> texture black is great, but not everybody wants texture sure. black. So, um, hoping the colors do something. Um, and I'll drop a link, by the way, viewers, listeners, if you're interested in an ultimate dip attachment or UDA, I'll drop the link for Rogue's. And Rogue uh, is the only place metal. you can get them right now. Exactly. Not selling the dip attachments anymore. So you can um, head to that link to Rogue and get yourself a UDA, but it still helps Chris and Mutant yeah. Metals uh, because of that partnership for yeah. them to make. And it. they're doing everything start to finish. So you make a purchase with Rogue. It's a dip attachment. It's just directly helping us out there's yeah. you know we don't have to do anything to um you know for that to be useful to us gotcha um but yeah the um well as far as developing you mentioned uh you'd like to possibly go from like the hands-on manufacturing every piece to more of a developing different things you showed me in the short time i've been here i, I mean i've been here for maybe an hour, hour and a half. I think I've seen three different things that you've uh, sort of been tinkering with and you showed one on camera in the tour video, which was pretty cool. So, you know, it's, I guess my question is, um, are you hoping to partner with other companies to be the developer of those things um, rather than piece and part making them here in the yeah. shop? Yeah, that's that's the idea is to mainly focusing on American manufacturers. Yeah, um, I get reached out to at least once a week from a Chinese manufacturer saying, "Hey, you know, yeah. we can make this for you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is our minimum part. Uh, yeah, all that." And there's a lot of companies now that do that that do importing, mm -hmm. but it's just I. I know people that have lost manufacturing jobs and you know it's it sucks it, yeah we're not making anything here anymore um and i think covid kind of showed a lot of that how vulnerable we are dependent to yeah. the yeah. rest of the world making sure. our stuff for us you know on, if those, on uh, everything if the imports stop whew, right it's uh it shuts down the supply yeah. chain so but it's very difficult to make things in america um yeah. you know this to start making something this is what it takes if you're not going to a shop and saying yeah. hey can you build this for me yeah. and um that's what know, i did with micro gains i i didn't want to make the vintage gains calibration plates that i came up with I knew that like in my, what I'm already doing in life, I didn't want to make those. Right. And I didn't want to even facilitate going to a foundry to make them for me and mm -hmm. setting up a space in my garage or anything. So that's why I went to Mike 
at uh, right. microgains and said, look, do you want to partner on this? Like, you're making these plates. You know, I'm not right. going to rehash my whole pitch that I gave right. him. But a lot of what you just said is the reason I went to him, you know, because his, his stuff's made in America. His shop's right here. Like, I, I, I like that idea that right in the state of Pennsylvania where I live, these things will be made and this company right. will help pack them up and ship them, you know, and I can uh, partner with them. So it's worked out really well. It's been a couple months now and things are going smoothly. I can't say enough about that. But so f having, you know, very tiny experience, I mean, it's only one product that mm -hmm. I've thought of. Uh, I can at least speak to that tiny experience and say that that's been really satisfying for me to have that made in America right here and not just made in America, but even in my home state mm -hmm. right here in Pennsylvania, um, have Mike doing that with microgains. So what kinds of products are you thinking about? I guess I'd phrase it this way. Are there any products outside of the home gym space, um, that you might dabble with, or do you think in the future you're, you're sticking mainly in your lane of, uh, fitness industry, and you know weightlifting. I think most of it will probably be focused on this industry because I I know it. Um, I do have you know I, like everybody else I've thought of ideas yeah. you know of, of making other things. Um, I mean the ultimate goal is to you know hopefully Rogue wants to pick up the snapbacks and you know start making those selling those. Yeah. The idea is if if that happens or, you know, we grow the business to a point we could, you know, we've been talking about building a house forever. Yeah. Just never been able to do it, you know, because she needs, she needs a ranch house, something with easy accessibility to get around. And, gotcha. Um, I'd like to build, you know, a small shop, maybe a 40 by 60 shop, mm -hmm. you know, and turn it into like the ultimate like prototyping shop. I was going to say, that's where, that would be the last. Some, you know. <laughs> still have the ability to manufacture like small batches of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, maybe put out like the first 50 that we make that, you yeah. know, people could jump on and hopefully use yeah. that as a springboard to sell when whoever starts making them, you know, people already be out talking about them. And yeah, you'd get a couple out there in the wild, mm -hmm. people, a couple, you know, out there for people to post right. videos in their gyms, using it, getting yeah. some feedback. Plus, you could then tinker with it a little bit, you know, revise it a little bit yeah. as you got feedback from those. That's that's the idea first people. too. Is to yeah. you know, when we're bringing a product to somebody, it's not just the product. It's also here is how it performed. This is what we learned from making it. This is what we learned from the feedback we got from our customers, yeah. and then you know, hopefully that eases the the decision for the manufacturer to take something on. I would think that would be such a <laughs> different pitch than just someone coming like me and saying, hey, I have this idea for this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, someone coming and saying, look, I've made this. X number of them are here. This is what we've heard from the customers. Here you go. I think that would put, <laughs> I mean, I'm just making an inference here, but I think that would put it ahead of uh, just the regular old guy right. saying, hey, I have, a, I have an idea. And, you know, that means more to some manufacturers than others, like, like Rogue, I took a dip attachment to Rogue, and a couple of days later, they had a, you know, a model made <laughs> yeah, up. How and, crazy is that? Know, <laughs> and they didn't need a lot of my input. You know, they asked for it. You know, gave them the approval on it before they started making them. Um, but you know, other smaller companies that maybe they make only 
selector size equipment or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's like, they don't really understand the attachment market or whatever. It's like, sure. you know, you, you know, maybe someone like Prime that makes some more complicated stuff. Yeah. You know, I have some more complicated ideas that maybe they would be more suited to make than someone like, you know, Rogue or a company that's putting out tons of volume, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not that Prime's not putting out volume. I'm sure they are, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they're kind of but, in a different space, I think, than Rogue. Right, and that's kind opinion. of like yeah. what I think someone like them that, you know, they understand the market, but mm -hmm. they spent a lot of time in the commercial space and, yeah. you know, maybe transitioning into the home gym space, which is what I think, I think the entire future of the industry is the home gym space. I do. I mean, I, I think it's, um, I don't think commercial gyms are going to go away anytime no. soon. There's a purpose and a place for them, and right. there's a preference. Some people prefer uh, commercial gyms, but I see um, some staying power since the COVID shutdown. Mm -hmm. You know, I was really curious, like, okay, COVID shutdown, all the gyms are closed. Now everybody wants a home gym. Right. But there's been companies that came about during that time that have now drifted away because clearly the sales weren't there once right. the commercial gyms opened up. Um, but I've seen a lot of people that have stayed and that, you know, are still lifting in their home gyms and a lot of companies that came about in that time that are still in business and doing well. Right. So clearly the customer base is there. Yeah, um, and I... You know, I'm sure it has to do a little bit with customer base and orders, but I think a lot of it's just how difficult it is to make stuff in the U.S. Like it's, you know, uh, Larry from Bulletproof kind of touched on it a little bit where yeah. he was talking about, you know, we went to a bunch of U.S. manufacturers and no one would make it. And yeah. there's, a, there's a reason for that. You know, they're, they're complicated pieces. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of components. You take a lot of time to produce when, you know, we're we're paying people a certain wage versus you know next to nothing and yeah we you know don't have they don't have the same like epa guidelines and there's a, such there's, a difference there's so much friction that mm -hmm. you know whether it's your local government or federal government or whatever that that puts on you as a person trying to start a business especially a manufacturing business or anything that has you know regulatory body surrounding it mm -hmm. is is tough. You know, um, I mean, Jake here is expensive. Uh, Jake Lamaster from Lamaster Barbell, mm -hmm. when he was on Home Gym History, and I was talking to him about his deep dish plates. Uh, the first generation were made in Mexico. Now he's they're made in the United States. But he said part of the reason that they were made in Mexico was that at the time that company, I mean, it was the best for the for the order he wanted to place. Mm -hmm. It was the best he could right. do but it was kind of interesting that the way he described it was that it was right on the border of mexico so he would like walk into the headquarters of this particular company on united states soil and place his orders or anything mm -hmm. and then right over the border the company had their foundry that would make all the plates and then truck them right so they were technically made in mexico but he said all my dealings everything was right here in the united states yeah. so it was this Kind of like right on the border situation. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of U.S. So. manufacturers are going to require a really high minimum order to hit that. Well, hit that's that where point. now second generation Lamasters, you mm -hmm. know, his company's grown some. Right. So that's what he said. Now he's placing the type of orders mm -hmm. that he's having them made in the United States. Yeah. Um, so, but he said he was really pleased with that first company, but that's why he was there. Yeah. Um, so that's I think that's what American manufacturing is up against is just that you know. 
a livable wage paid mm-hmm. to workers that yeah. American manufacturing provides isn't provided elsewhere. Yeah. So it's tough. And EPA guidelines, things right. like that. I mean, it's it gets pretty wild when you go overseas in terms of what is and isn't looked at in terms of the environment. Right. But uh, when it comes to manufacturing here in the United States and different companies and things, I'm happy to see you're coming to Home Gym Con a couple months, April. That's the plan, yeah. Yeah. Last year at Home Gym Con, I did like a little round table. And one of the questions was, uh, and it was a bunch of people, Bridge Build, uh, Jason from Surplus Strength, um, Dylan, who was with Abmat at the time, was at the table. And the question was, who do you want to see next year? And my answer to the question was you. I said, I want to see Mutant Metals out here. And uh, they're like, oh, well, he's in Pennsylvania. Can't you just like go see him? I'm like, no, but I want to see him at Home Gym Con. And yeah. the reason why is some of the stuff that I'd seen you posting, I, you know, you've already paid for your booth. You're already there, so I don't have to sell you on it. I guess what I'm trying to do is just let the... Um, the viewers and listeners know that there were, I want to say six different partnerships that I just witnessed. I don't even know beyond what I witnessed happen at home gym con mm-hmm. between creators and companies between one company and another company just from networking and just not networking. It's kind of like a sleazy business right. term just from hanging out, yeah. you know, because we're just having dinner together and people are talking and they're like, Oh, yeah, like we should get together and do that. And then it happened. And right. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like I know where that happened. That happened like at dinner at Home Gym Con. So that's the kind of thing, you know, I don't want to set your expectations too high for Home Gym Con, but my hope for you is I that mean, as I you talk with people. I already yeah. have kind of an intimate knowledge of that because this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, you know, guys posting stuff. You know, Joe Gray posted a lot of my stuff in the beginning. Yeah. Um, even when he was starting out, just like getting a content out there um garage gym competition yeah efren posted some stuff that was another big boost and you know guys kept coming in that saw what we were doing um gluck was another one um you know a bunch of them i'm there's way too many to keep going through but um it this wouldn't be this wouldn't exist without everybody kind of you know just you know networking and telling you know this is what I got, you know, go check this out. Yeah. So Joe Gray was where I saw a lot of your stuff early on. Yeah, and, I mean, he was buying yeah. stuff for me before it was before it was anything before it was mutant metals. You know, it was yeah. Just, and, uh, and he actually, I think, if I scroll back in my messages with Joe, I think he's the one who told me like, "Hey, this dude's like an hour from you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Really?" Like, I had no idea. So yeah, I got to give a lot of credit to Joe and Garage Gym Competition. And I think Garage Gym Competition does that for a lot of companies, um, you know, that just by giving away prizes and stuff. Like Nate, who, uh, Deep Dish Globes, who was just on Lift History Podcast, the episode before this one, he mentioned that the reason he learned about microgains and got some microgains was that he won them in Garage Gym Competition. And I I think as far as like the manufacturing stuff goes, especially in the U.S., um, that's the only way we could really compete is that, you know, U.S. is still the hub of like innovation. Yeah. That's that's one thing that that's why I want to focus on, you know, making new stuff that no one else has done before. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe just remaking some, you know, something like a weight post that someone has done before, but just to do it a way that hasn't been done. Um, and 
you know, the, the networking and the community, the only, the only way I see, you know, all these shops surviving long-term is we got to be helping each other out. Yeah. You know, yeah. some shops have capabilities that others don't or have sure. knowledge of different processes. And, um, you know, we're, we're just not going to compete on volume and, you know, rogues the best at that. Yeah. So, and, you know, we all know that Rogue's equipment's more expensive and there's a reason behind that, you know, and they're, they're about as efficient as you could possibly be. So, you know, that's kind of the benchmark of, it, of knowing, you know, we can't beat that on, not that it's some big world competition, but in a way, it, you know, we have to still fortify our manufacturing here yeah. and, and our economy. And um, I think the way we make it less fragile is we start making stuff here again. Well, that's uh, this year at Home Gym Con in a couple months, and I'll be there again doing podcasts. Um, I've already invited you, and I invited Dean from Black Widow. I wanted to put together a roundtable of company owners and fabricators uh, like yourself, because I see a lot of commonality to ask questions like what you're addressing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, how do, how, do, how do we coexist here? How do you guys coexist doing similar things but not the same right um because uh, when i looked at black widow's booth last year there was so many impressive things that mm. i i don't want to say i just wasn't aware of black widow i knew of black widow i've always heard really good things about dean and about his company but before i walked through that booth i, I didn't know all the stuff he did i was mm. really blown away and then same thing with your company it's joe gray and then you mentioned gluck um I follow Gluck's gym, and as I saw your stuff getting out there, I wanted to get people like that at the table. And I'm gonna find uh, one or two more. I, I haven't, I haven't confirmed, so I don't want to say their names yet. Right. But it'll be you, it'll be Black Widow, and one or two more uh, similar companies to kind of talk through that. And I think it'll be a really cool roundtable, uh, a podcast at home, Gym Con. But without stepping on that too much, I guess I'd ask, you know. You've mentioned where you want this to go in the future, mm. if everything were to go the way you, you wanted it to. But as it stands right now, so just thinking about the present, um, what do you do here at Mutant Metals to just make sure that you know, you're doing everything you can, but you're not really stepping on the toes of anyone else? Uh, mainly just, and it's, it's tough to come up with stuff that other people aren't doing, like, you know, market's super competitive yeah once a trend starts i mean look at heavy mugs yeah <laughs> everyone has a heavy mug <laughs> everybody's making them everybody, everybody. has one you know it's or like, speed pins i mean right yeah like mag pins 20 different mag pins now out there that you the, can pick from. yeah right the second the market sees that they're a big deal yeah they take off you know so um the heavy mugs are funny <laughs> so many heavy mugs and there's a home gym con a heavy mug shout out to hogan Hogan's gym, he's he got a heavy mug, and he's trying to coordinate uh, anyone who has a heavy mug to bring it to home gym con <laughs> and do like a toast. Yeah. So that'll be cool. So anyway. Hopefully everybody makes it out of that uninjured. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but back, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Go ahead. So as trends happen. Right. I, I think it's, you kind of have to look at the spots where you, you stay ahead of those trends a little bit where... And a lot of that just comes from, which I have to get back into. I haven't been doing a lot of lifting the past couple of years um, for various reasons, but 
um, a lot of it just comes from training and looking at, you know, what do I want to do in this super limited space? Um, and, you know, how do I make that happen you know, best way possible? And then looking at what's already out there and where the gaps are. You know? So it, a lot of it, I think, is going to come down to just making stuff that people don't know that they want yet. So that's a great way to put it. Um, and you have a lot of ideas, a couple really cool ideas coming up. I'm going to try to get one done for home gym con, um, to demo. It's going to be close though. I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, by the time this episode of lift history comes out, uh, I have home gym history and lift history. I've got the, both of them going on. Uh, (laughs) What can I say? I just like frequency. I like to, I feel like it's like reps as many podcasts as I can do, the better I'll just get better at it. So anyway, the home gym history that just came out last week, uh, Jake mentions that because it's all about home gym con and what I'm looking forward to at home gym con. And Jake mentioned there's, it's pretty cool. There's going to be an award for best release. So, and that award includes, um, and I don't mind saying it because he said it on home gym history last week. The award includes uh, a prize that is, complimentary space at next year's home gym con so that's pretty nice um as well as i want to say he said there's a cash prize as well i'll go back and double check so i don't Mm. misstate it but let's just say it's more than a cute certificate like you're actually getting something for winning best release so you know if you can get it done in time the prototype might be done by then but as far as a release yeah i I really doubt it might i'm saying release it might be debut uh so I'll, I'll check with Jake. Yeah, I have to it, look Would a that. prototype and an announcement be enough? Mm-hmm. I'll check with him. I'll get back to you. I'll make sure I get back to you that, yeah, to see. Is it like someone can buy it, like at release, or is it announcement that this is a product I'm now making? I think best case, someone's going to be able to demo it at home GemCon. Yeah. So, um, but Okay. Well, we'll that might be enough to qualify. And then, hey, it'd be, be kind of cool to win that award if... Uh, if you manage to pull out the win. If I could get it to work, there's <laughs> nothing on the market that exists like it yet. Very so, cool. Well, well, what you just said there, you know, something that people don't realize yet that they want, I'd also put the word need in there because mm-hmm. there's so many things in my gym that are, I don't need, but that I just want. But there's right. other things that for my goals, I need. Like I'm, I'm not going to accomplish certain things in my training if I don't have this piece of equipment right. that... I didn't even know existed two years ago. <laughs> so I think that's also part of it. And, you know, when I look at, for example, your snapback rollers, I want to get those next because I'm having a heck of a time <laughs> racking my barbell. Right. And when I'm squatting, for example, it's, it's annoying uh, stepping out. And I'm not a competitive lifter, so I'm looking for efficiency and safety right. and having those suckers snap back, that sounds nice to me. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a big thing with everybody in the market is, you know, finding things that don't take up a lot of space that are, you know, that make lifting more convenient because yeah. as much as I think we all want to pretend that we're just these stoic, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, in the gym at 5 a.m. every day, it's not always like that. You got other stuff going on, and you know, lifting a lot of times is the last thing of the day for a lot of us. So it's 
at home gym con last year, Steve Clevo said that to me. I, I, I met the Clevos and such a nice couple, really nice to talk to. And he said that th we were talking about something about lifting or training. And I think I said to him like, oh, so what type of training? And he said, well, that's kind of an ironic thing. The company's doing great, but that means my training is suffering. Mm. <laughs> like, that's if, what it is. If you're busy working, that means you don't have time to train. Yeah. And he said that's he said that's the ironic ironic thing about a lot of the uh, owners of the companies at home GymCon is that they're probably in the worst shape yeah. they've been in a while if their company's yeah, and booming. It's, and it's a problem because you know your 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 personal health really does start eating into your ability to work more and. Your, men your mental ability sure. and everything, you know. Yeah. I, I was putting on quite a bit, even though I was working a lot, I was putting on a lot of weight because I was eating super shitty and yeah. we're eating fast food every day. And that's, exactly. I've lost about 50 pounds now since nice. the beginning. Um, Good for you, man. Just, you know, that was one of the first things I did when we started getting, you know, some of the rogue money coming in was uh -huh. just eating better food. So, yeah. Um, but it all reflects on, the business and everything else so that we don't the idea is not to introduce more friction into working out you know? yeah yeah it, well especially if you own a home gym i can only speak for myself in my home gym but part of the reason i love it is that it is mine like everything is suited right. to my training my lifting because i don't have to cater to anyone else yeah. my family that's it i have four children and they like to come in and mess around my wife comes in and uses Peloton bike mm -hmm. and some light kind of dumbbells and stuff occasionally. That's it. Otherwise, it's just all me, and that's what I like. I mean, that's that's the reason I have it. Otherwise, I'd just go to a commercial gym. Right. Set everything up the way that you want yeah. it. I mean, today's Sunday. Like Tonight, I'm going to go in probably for a couple minutes and just set up what I'm doing tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be deadlifting tomorrow, so I'm going to make sure my platform's clear and put yeah. out the bar I'm going to use. And yeah. One, one less thing that you know you have to do to get get in there. Totally. Yeah. But in terms of the products and the things that I buy for my home gym, I buy stuff that helps that. So right. the UDA that I'm taking home, that's perfect because what Hubble said is exactly what I have. I've, I've got some kids that are getting bigger, right. and soon enough they're going to be doing dips, and it'll be really cool to have that. But even just my own training, it'll be cool to have uh, you know some variety. And, I mean... Knurling is the undisputed, in my opinion, in the modern era, as a strength historian that I am, knurling is the undisputed uh, diamond of the modern era of lifting. Mm -hmm. Like, knurling has set the standard for so much of what's produced. Um, the heavy mug you mentioned, it's got a knurled handle, most of them that are produced. Right. Um, so, yeah, having knurled handles, like one of the like overseas knockoff type dip attachments mm -hmm. that I saw recently. It was on Amazon, some company I never heard of. It's like 60 bucks. Yeah, I looked closely at it. I wanted to see the handles. They're foam coated for your comfort. Right. And I was like, who in the world wants foam handles while they're doing right. dips? That sounds disgusting. It sounds like I'm gonna rip the foam off and fall on my face. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's that's what you get from uh, an overseas company that who knows if they even? Yeah, I mean they, they talk most with likely who does lift. don't even understand the product, you know, exactly. or the people that are using it. And I, a lot of these manufacturers manufacture all kinds of different stuff. It's not just exercise exactly. equipment. It's 
you know, it could be pots and pans and something yeah. else. You, you don't know. Your dip attachment's made from uh, foam-coated, whatever, jump rope handles that they right. happen to who, stick in there. Who knows what it is, <laughs> but, you know, they they build them factories and they're a lot of them multi-use. So. Just pumping them out. Yeah, I, I could see that. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as knurling goes, like the way that I view having things that are knurled, um, you know, with the dip attachment or whatever, a lot of people when it first came out, it was why why would you need knurling on a dip attachment handle? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not really gripping it. You're just kind of, but you, you know, when you understand feedback from the hands, you know, when you're when you're holding on to something, that that base is where where everything's coming from. You know, mm -hmm. and if if you don't feel confident in your grip on something, whether it's a it could be a bench, it'll be a squat. You know, anybody that's done a lot of squatting knows is if you if your hands something feels off at your hands, yeah, you might as well just re rack the bar because something bad's gonna happen. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, you you have to have a good solid connection to whatever you're using, and that has to be giving your brain some feedback saying you know this is okay to grip. Um, there's a lot of deadlift bars out right now that are super super aggressive and i don't understand that at all because it's inhibitory and it's not my thing um, yeah you know they're super thin um and the neural is really sharp when you make a bar thinner the sharper the neural feels mm -hmm. um and we take a lot of people will say that our neural is really aggressive and really sharp um but you know it is it is aggressive from a traditional standpoint but it's a small neural um, and the whole idea behind it is to be able to grab hold of it and it produce as much friction with your hand sure. as it can without yeah, yeah. telling you to let it go. So, well, plus I think I'm not saying I'll never go into my gym and just bang out some dips, but in my training, most likely I'm going to have some main lifts mm -hmm. and then I'm going to do dips. So that means I'm probably going to be sweaty by the time I get to them. And that's where I think, like, I don't want some slick handles I'm going to slip off of. Or even right. powder coats gets a little a little slick after a while. And I'm probably doing a couple sets of dips. Um, so unless I'm really putting on a belt and doing weighted dips, I'm doing, you know, 10, 12 right. or so, three or four sets of that. And, yeah, I, I want something I can hang on to. So mm -hmm. that's where the foam handles made me laugh. Like, oh, they're going to be all nasty and moldy and sweaty after a while. It's Matt, foam. I mean, and and some then, companies uh, are getting that, too. You see yeah. neural on everything now. Yeah. You know, bench handles. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, things sure. that don't, you know, to most people probably don't even really require neural, but it's just that well, it's, crossed it's aesthetically over the, the pleasing. It. Yeah. It's, you know, it, yeah. it matches People just like else. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels good, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, but I like uh, I like the differences in knurling. Um, you know, I mentioned to you before we were on camera Primal Armor, mm -hmm. and how uh, they were able to just set aside one of their Appalachian bars so I could get it um, just raw steel, not coated with anything. But something that I wasn't expecting that I really loved was the knurling they have on it because it's it's tighter and smaller, but it has uh, just a nice grip for squatting. Because of that, it's not aggressive. It's not chewing mm -hmm. up my hands, but because of the tight kind of nature, it, I don't. It's just it's like a sponge. It like sucks right. your hand in. And I, if that I makes think, sense. You I know? think the way you have to look at neural too is the trend seems to be bigger and bigger neural. Uh -huh. 
volcano. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, these these huge peak neurals. It it's like laying on a bed of nails. <laughs> you know, if yeah, that's if true. the nails are huge and they're far apart, they're gonna hurt a lot more than if they're small yeah. and they're really close together. I mean, so I have uh, generation one, two, and three Texas Power Bars that I've collected, and part of the reason I stuck with them was I like the knurling. Mm -hmm. It's 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 like the um, you know the three bears. You know, it's not too aggressive. Right. It's not too passive. It's just it's right there. And you could and manufacturers achieve that in a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. The first way is to not make a complete neural, which is what a volcano neural is. It's yeah. you know, it's a pressured neural where you're not bringing it to a full peak. So you make a little gully at the peak of the neural, and you get that volcano neural. Or you, you know, make the neural smaller, which is what I think everybody should be doing instead of just making incomplete neurals. Humongous, yeah. um, and I actually, when I was, it's funny because when I, when I was doing my knurling um, and trying to figure out what type of neural wheels to use, mm -hmm. um, I actually sat down and did math on like surface area nice. to how, you know. Yeah, yeah. And later confirmed it using like chat GPT to help with some of the math. On <laughs> That's it. great. And you got AI crunching but, the numbers. Yeah, I mean, when you have when you have a pyramid, mm -hmm. if you cut the top off of a pyramid, that 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 surface at the top is never going to be more than what you cut off of it. Makes sense. So, you know, the the sum of the sides surface area is always going to be more than just the base. Okay. And so you're removing surface area when you don't complete the neural. The problem is if you use a large neural and it's peaked, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so use smaller, complete neurals that are well deburred, and you'll have very functional neural that doesn't hurt your hands. So how long did you mention on the tour video that I put out before this podcast? We showed like the very first kind of project you worked on that uh, tempering roller, and right away you said, "Oh, the neural's horrible. The, mm -hmm. the neuralings crap on this." So. How far or how long, how many trial and error kind of projects did it take to kind of dial it in to the point that you're like, hey, I think I got something here? I mean, it's gotten progressively better since you started to. The first, the first neurals that I put out when I finally started getting okay at neuraling um, were very sharp. And some, some guys like that and will look for those handles, you know, sure. and try to buy them from people because they're, <laughs> they're super sharp. They want, the, um, they want the aggressive early right. mutant metals. Yeah. Um, but it took, it took a lot of different, um, a lot of different tries. And the reason is there's not a lot of good information out on like, you know, I'm, I'm not a machinist. I had to teach myself how to do all the machining. Yeah. So, and there's not a lot of good information about how to produce neural. It's mm. usually with a traditional bump style tool that comes into the piece and displaces the metal. Um, which is what we do kind of, but I ended up having to make a custom tool to get it to work with that lathe um, to take pressure off of it. And, you know, it took four different tool iterations just to get something that holds the wheels the way that I want them. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably knurled a couple hundred things before it was, you know, the way I, the way I really liked it. Um, that's awesome. Well, that's the, I mean, I think that's 
I'm not saying it's awesome that you had to keep trying and trying and trying, but I think it's cool to get a little background. Um, you know, when I'm doing dips on my UDA and I feel that knurling or anyone out there that buys your stuff to get that background that, you know, this wasn't by happenstance. This wasn't like, well, I guess I'll set it this way and this is what comes out. Like mm -hmm. you were started like that. There's a lot of yeah. trial and error. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, just tweaking this and dialing this in, even <laughs> like you said, crunching the numbers, doing the math, mm -hmm. uh, figuring out all the different dimensions, like you said, of a pyramid and the base being this. So uh, that's all really cool. I mean, I think I'm going to cut a portion of this podcast and just put it out as like Chris talks knurling. <laughs> Oh, we could uh, we could do that for a long time. Yeah. We'll have a whole follow up episode. Yeah. Well, hey, when I uh, do get my snapback rollers, I'll make sure uh, to save a little on shipping and come up again if you have me, and we'll we'll do a follow up. And okay. uh, you know that that won't be for some time, but we'll do a follow up in the near future. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening, please drop the code vintage v i n t a g e. When you're buying home gym con tickets if you haven't bought tickets yet it's not too late and code vintage can save you some money and come on out you can see companies like mutant metals there you can talk with chris the same way i just did here on lift history podcast because that's i think that was the coolest thing about home gym con for me last year it wasn't i mean i liked doing the podcast that i did but my favorite thing was just hanging out and just talking with people yeah. you know even off camera whatever it wasn't like the recording it was just getting to know the companies getting to know the people that made the things that i like learning about the things that i like so like i just said about your process to get to the point of the knurling that you have now figuring that out about other things that i have like talking with steve clavo and seeing his landmine that i have now it's kind of cool when I use my landmine attachment, knowing where it came from right. and how the dude kind of thought through it. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to having you there, Chris. Thanks yeah. so much, man. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having me.